Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we have begun. Uh, We actually started last week. Um, And if you weren't here last week and didn't get one of these books, they are available. We've got extras up front. We've got them uh, out in the uh, lobby. Um, Pick up your copy. If you're saying, well, you guys already got started. No, no, because this is the week that we actually get into the book. Last week was kind of an intro. And we had you read through the the little bookmarker here has a reading plan for you. And we had people just read through the book of Mark and watch how Jesus discipled his disciples. Um, So this week, we're actually getting into the book. So if you have not picked up your book, they are free. We want everyone to have one. So please pick yours up today. And as Pastor Larry mentioned earlier, um, buy one for somebody else. Because the whole idea of disciple making is, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, therefore I am a disciple. But part of being a disciple is making other disciples. And so you buy another book and that you just begin praying now that who is that one person that you need to come alongside with and have and give them that book that you bought and you two go through it together. And, and I actually did this this week. Um, I've had somebody in mind, somebody that I've been praying for. And um, I invited him to go on this journey with me. And um, he's agreed. The, the trade-off is... Yeah, well, the trade-off for me is I have to start running regularly on Wednesday nights because he is going to train me how to run. <laughs> so he is discipling me as I am discipling him, and that's how it works. You know, that's the whole idea. The big takeaway last week as we kind of kicked this off is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a disciple. Bottom line, there is no special category of followers of Jesus because disciple simply means follower. It means follower. It means learner. And so if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a disciple. And part of your discipleship, as Jesus gave to his disciples, is now you make disciples. The Apostle Paul wrote about it this way to the Corinthian church. He said very simply this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's it. That's what Jesus did. He said, come follow me, learn from me, now go. Come, learn, go. Come, learn, go. That's what Paul is saying. I have come. I have learned. Now I've given it to you. Now you have come. You have learned. Now go. And every one of us as followers of Christ are disciples. And therefore, every one of us as followers of Christ as disciples are disciple makers. And if you get nothing out of this morning, please take that home with you. You are a disciple maker. And I know you read that and you say, follow my example as I follow Christ. I don't know if I could do that. That's all great for Paul. I mean, you know, he was an apostle. He was, you know, he knew all this stuff. He had all this information. He was a scholar. He knew. Not me. (laughs) He says, no, 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 no. You follow me as I follow Christ. It's that simple. But there's other people who are much further along in the faith. They know more than I do. I'm just a beginner. I don't even know enough. What if somebody asks me a question? I don't. You are a follower. Now lead somebody else. It's that simple. But I'm not sure if I'm living the kind of life that I want people to follow. You can do something about that too. (laughs) Learn to follow And then lead somebody else. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. How do you do that? Paul kind of laid it out for the Corinthian church. If you want to turn there, it's in his, actually it's his second letter that he wrote to them. 
But very, very clear. And, and it makes it so much more understandable and so much easier for us all. He put it this way. He said, 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 11, he said, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so you can answer those who take pride on what is seen rather than what's in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some people say, it is for God. If we're on our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He said, this whole disciple-making process is very, very simple. And there's just some key things you need to know. You need to know, first off, just live your life authentically. Just be authentic. Be real. He says, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. See, discipleship is more caught than taught. We have traditionally put a lot of emphasis in the, in the Christian church on information and knowledge and understanding. And that's all good, and that is all important. But it's not just filling your brain with information. Discipleship is something that, that it's more like an apprenticeship. My dad was a, a building contractor, and, um, and for years I worked for him as, as a carpenter. And, and you had to go through an apprenticeship. And part of it, you went to night classes, and you learned some stuff in the classroom. But most of it was on-the-job training. You worked alongside somebody who already knew what they were doing and showed you how to do it. And then you did it perfectly from then on. <laughs> or so... All the mistakes that I made learning carpentry are more than I have time to tell you this morning. But I learned the trade because somebody showed me. I didn't go to classes. Somebody showed me. And that's what discipleship is. He's saying the, the very first thing is live authentically. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Be honest with the people around you. He said that gives the whole basis for all the rest of his ministry. We learn by imitation, not so much by information. An old Chinese proverb is, tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I may remember. Involve me and I'll understand. And that's the heart of discipleship. Now our impulse is to try to pretend that we are better than we really are. And what that breeds is hypocrisy. And believe me, the world does not need to see more hypocrites in the Christian church. 
But what he wants is for people to see what God is doing in your life as he is doing it. Not till you got it all together. Not pretending you've got it all together. Because what that does, a couple things that does, what that does is that somehow puts you on a plane that everybody looks at and says, well, I can never do that. And so you make it impossible for people or they see the real you and they know the hypocrisy behind it and that's all that and I don't want to be a part of that. But both of those are defeating. Paul says, live authentically. What we are is playing to God and hope it is also playing to your conscience. We said the beginning of last year, we want to change the way people view the church. And one of the greatest complaints against the church is it's full of hypocrites. So why don't we just let people see what God is doing as he is doing it? Now, I'll tell you what that's going to mean. For one thing, it's going to mean you're going to have to do a lot of apologizing. Because <laughs> you're going to mess up. And you can cover all that up and you can pretend like it never happened. But everybody around saw it. So just being honest and saying, you know what? I messed up. That is not how I want to behave. That is not the person I want to be. And I'm not there yet, but I'm praying that God's changing me. Just be authentic. It is so, so important. And, and we, because we're all works in progress. Every one of us. We're all works in progress. And one of the reasons why we're encouraging everybody to get into a community group, because that's a really good place to practice authenticity. Because in a community group, you are with other believers who are also struggling, who are also stumbling, who are also making mistakes along the way. But it gives you a safe place to start opening up and being honest. Being honest with other believers is a really good place to start. And the community group gives you the chance to do that and find the encouragement and hear other people's stories. And, and you know, that's why the 12-step movement is so powerful. It's because people all come admitting we've got a problem, but we're here to help each other get through this. We're here to help each other in our recovery. And, and community groups are just a place to start learning to be authentic. Because I think what the world needs is authentic Christians. He says, this is why. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. New Living Translation puts it this way. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. He says, it is more important, it is more important to me, not that I have a spectacular ministry, not that everybody looks at me and is impressed, but that they know my heart. And the only way someone can get to know your heart is by getting close to them and being authentic with them. Because you can impress people from a distance, but you can only influence people up close. Because the truth of the matter is, up close, you're not that impressive. He <laughs> says, be authentic. Be authentic. Second thing is, recognize the eternal in the people around you. He says, for, for now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He says, learn to look at people through a different set of eyes. And Jesus was the master of this. 
Jesus had this ability to see what God was doing in people's hearts. And he didn't look on the surface like everybody else did. He was able to, there was a woman who came, he was at a party at a Pharisee's house named Simon. And in this party, somehow this woman got in there who was just a mess. But she came in and she had this little perfume bottle that she broke open and she, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. And she cried over his feet and wiped her, his feet with her hair. And she was just a broken person, just she was a mess. And, and Simon, Simon thinks to himself, you know, if he knew the kind of person she was, and what, he would never allow this to be happening. And Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. He says, Simon, listen, I came in here and you didn't wash my feet. I came as a guest in your house and you didn't bless me. But she has not stopped blessing me and wiping my, my feet with her tears and her hair since I came in. Jesus saw in her something nobody else recognized, that this was a person who was on her way back to God. Everybody else on the outside would say, this is a person who has a history. (laughs) Jesus doesn't look at the history. He looks at the future. There was another seeker came to Jesus once, had a long conversation, was asking him about the kingdom of God and all these things. Jesus had this long conversation. This guy wasn't there yet. He wasn't at a point of decision. But Jesus said to him, you're not far. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Nobody else probably recognized that in that man. But Jesus did. Do you know that God is at work in the lives of everybody around you? And one of our key things is to learn to see what God is doing in somebody's heart. Then that's not just acceptance. That's not just tolerance. That is looking for the spark of God in every person's life. And God is at work in everyone's life. And if you're going to help, if you're going to be a disciple who disciples other disciples, you got to look for what God's doing in other people's life. And that, again, takes time. That takes being in a relationship and doing life side by side with people. Jesus saw that. In the baptism stories that you heard this morning, in every one of them, somebody saw in them God's hand at work and said something and did something or read a scripture or prayed with them or did something. And if you think back through your life of of faith, if you think back of how you came into a relationship with God, somebody, somebody was a part of that. Somebody had an influence. And the whole idea of being a disciple maker is you be that someone so that other people can find and discover what God's doing in their life. So be honest yourself. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to realize you're not that impressive, when you begin to realize who really you are, just saved by God's grace, then you begin to be a little bit more accepting a little bit more open to what people, what God's doing in other people's lives. And then you become a partner of that. And that's the idea. If anyone is in Christ, Paul wrote, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And all of this is from God. Years ago, I heard Bill Hybel speak. Years and years ago. And he sent this sentence and it has stuck with me ever since. And I've said it a few times around here. And I hope it's sticking with you. You have never looked into the eyes of somebody who does not matter to God. You have never, ever looked into the eyes of someone who does not matter to God. God is at work. We talked about that last week. So be authentic. 
Learn to recognize the eternal. And then the last one is, keep the right motivation. Paul said, there's two things that drive me. He says it in verse 11. He says it in verse 14. He says, the first one is this. Since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Now, that's not a trembling fear of God so much as realizing that I have an accountability before God. That I have a responsibility before God. And so he says, one of my motivations is that I know that God has entrusted me with this message. And I am held accountable for that. So part of it has to do with my, my, my fear of God is not so much that God's going to strike me dead if I don't do it, but to realize he has put this awesome weight for me to carry on this message. And so I have a responsibility to him. But the second thing is Christ's love. For Christ's love compels us. He says, these are the two things. That God has given me this responsibility. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. That God has given us this incredible, incredible message. It is the hope of the world. There is no other religion on earth that offers grace and forgiveness than Christianity. Every other religion in this world is all about learning how to earn your way or to make yourself a better person. And it is only the hope of the world that is in Christ that says, no, you will never be good enough. You will never be good enough. But God loves you anyway. And he has paid a price so that you could be reconciled to him. You could be forgiven. And he's entrusted and committed that message of reconciliation to us. And then he says the other motivation is the love of Christ. It compels us. And that's a real interesting word that he uses there because it doesn't really translate well into English. But, but the word has to do with this idea of being hemmed in, to being confined and compressed, to be in a space where you just, you, you, you can't move. But it also has with it this idea of, of, of kind of guiding you in a direction and being compelled along a path. It has all kinds of different meanings. And I was trying to think, how do I get this message across? How do I, how do I help explain that? And the best thing I could think of is whitewater rafting. And if any of you have done that, you know, you are in this raft and you've got a little bit of control, but not a lot. And you are, com you are compressed into this little floating device on this, this white water moving river. And, and sometimes you are hemmed in by this canyon and you are directed and you are stuck in this little boat and you are moving at a speed that can get a little hairy sometimes. You are being compelled. <laughs> That's the idea. He said, it's like Paul is saying, the love of Christ is so compelling that it's like we are stuck on this raft and we are moving down this torrential river of love and the only thing we can do is try to keep paddling because <laughs> his love is compelling us. Because every Christ follower is a disciple and every disciple is a disciple maker. And that means you and that means me. And the way that it's done is simply just be authentic. Just be yourself. Be real. And recognize that God's at work in other people's lives. And let that, that message and that love of Christ so compel you that it changes, changes people's lives. It's far too important a task. 
to leave so lightly and so unattended. You see, if we are only compelled by our responsibility for God, before God, then it's just a chore. It's an assignment. It's a drudgery. It's a task I have to complete. And I will do it passionate-lessly and not really caring about the people that I'm talking to. And if I'm motivated solely by the love of Christ, then I become negligent. Then I become a little haphazard and, and a little too casual about it. But he said, when I am compelled by this awesome responsibility, this incredible message Christ has given to me, and I let that message so indwell my life that I am compelled by his love to tell other people, that's how you get the job done. Every one of us in this room are a work in progress. So here's my question as we close. Who are you following and who are you leading? Because that's really what it comes down to. Who are you learning from and who are you leading along with you? Would you bow your heads with you? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 